This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Hey people, this is Amani. Welcome to my podcast Chat to Amani, #brainbubble, a little offshoot from our app fight for Amani Instagram page. I hope to document and share the highs and the lows and everything in between of my life since being diagnosed with incurable brain cancer. Today's episode is one that I wasn't even sure if I was going to end up doing. Um, it's actually my 10th episode of my podcast, inshallah. inshallah. And I have a special guest I would like to give my um, warmest salams to, which is Brother Omar Suleiman. Um, I'm sure a lot of you will know him. Um, very, very, very kindly. Um, he's offered it up his time to speak with me for this podcast, which the topic is quite heavy, but it's also quite unique. I feel like it's something that is important for me to try and cover the best that I can. Um, and that's about specifically being young and tested. And as a young Muslim woman, I just thought faith, sickness, they all come as part of the parcel of life. I feel like, you know, when people are going through hardship, even those that aren't practicing or maybe even have a religion at all will turn back to questioning, you know, just the existence of life and wanting to know more and wanting to find comfort from answers and questions that maybe they can't get answers to. So I think it was it was probably at maybe, you know, such a good time Alhamdulillah. So we are, you know, as a family, are so grateful that you reached out to us. I think you came across part of my story, maybe on um, social media. And um, um, at the time that you actually stumbled across my story and reached out um, to my dad was during a really, really difficult time recently um, where I was in hospital and I'd had about three, I think, failed surgery attempts and it was getting quite critical the actual operation that they did to drain fluid from my brain, it kept blocking. And naturally there's only so many times that your body can handle surgeries. And um, I think since my diagnosis, this has probably been my most difficult time um, because I think within such a short space of time, um, I'd obviously gone through physically a lot of, a lot of surgeries and then just, the fear, I think the reality maybe sunk in a bit, is just to ask some questions more from an Islamic perspective, because my Islamic faith is a huge part of my identity me, and the journey as a whole, especially spiritually, is, is very difficult. But for me, I really, I'm in this position as a young person. I just think, inshallah, if those fears or worries that I had at the time, if they could be answered for other people, then you won't feel so lonely. You really need just someone to say a few words, inshallah, and just help reaffirm or settle any worries. And then that can help you with your journey. So that's, inshallah, what my aim is from today's. To, to you and to everyone else. And uh, I want to, first and foremost, you know, just thank you for being an inspiration to so many people. SubhanAllah, there are people that as they're going through things, um, the pain that they are facing as individuals is enough to completely occupy them. 
but I know that, you know, you have made it a point to use your moment of hardship to help heal others that are going through it. And that is a great, uh, a great testimony to your spirit and who you are and what you represent, alhamdulillah, yeah. and what your family represents. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, almost sometimes, you know, I get, alhamdulillah, I'm so blessed with me sharing my journey, the kindness that people have shown me that I do feel sometimes uncomfortable and it does worry me, but how do I deal with that? Especially now, you know, alhamdulillah, that I do have a, a online presence. You might share your story and that's your truth, but it doesn't necessarily mean that someone else will take it the same way. And if they misconstrue it, I don't want to hold myself out as a certain way and people, and then I'm not. I think, I think that one of the things, I mean, first of all, to be cautious about what you say and how you use your platform is, is always a good thing, no matter what situation you're in, um, in health or in sickness. It's constantly, uh, I think, important for us to renew our intentions and to review our words before we we speak them. And so I applaud you for that caution. I think it's a good caution to have, inshallah. But, um, you know, with that being said, um, you know, a lot of people are struggling with different types of things, right? Some of them far more severe than others. And resilience is a language that can really uplift a lot of people and help them see the perspective they need to see in the midst of their hardships when it's very, very, very hard to see that. And sometimes in, in giving, you are in fact receiving. And so it's the repeated affirmations. It is the repeated reminders to ourselves and to others around us that this life, as we go through tragedy and the different ways that we experience tragedy, that the most beautiful of our spirits come out. And there is a deep connection that we develop to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to each other in the process of that, to our creator and to each other. Our families come closer. And as, as an ummah, as, as a people, as even a human family, we can relate to that pain and that resilience. The story of resilience is always uh, one that everyone needs at some point. And so I pray that you remain sincere in that and that you, you use uh, what, you, what, what you have of your strength to continue to give other people strength the way that you have been. And that that is a form of receiving, inshallah, ta'ala, strength and perspective and steadfastness for you and your family as well. So thank you to you and your family. Um, may Allah bless you and bless your family for all that you've been giving to us. And I can assure you that um, uh, thus far, may Allah keep you firm and steadfast. Thus far, the, the way that you've used your platform is, is just beautiful. And, um, you know, I personally have found much benefit uh, from from you and from your family. When someone falls ill or some hardship befalls someone, especially as a Muslim, you have the same ayahs and kind of reassurances that are given. So it's one of the one that is very poignant is obviously verily with hardship comes ease. And at the time, I remember how guilty I felt and worried I was about struggling with understanding these things. But at that point where in such a short space of time, so much had happened and then I would hear the ayah and I just I couldn't get my head around it because I was like I believe that it's true 
I just couldn't find the comfort in it because in that moment, in that time, you're not seeing any kind of physical improvement, even if you're not looking for a miracle. How do you manage the understanding of that? Yeah, yeah. No, look, what, what you're speaking about, in the matter of suicide, rarely with hardship comes ease. You know, the hardest yet most rewardable time to trust the giver of light is when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And the giver of light is Allah. And so you you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you can't rationalize your pain, your hardship, the degree of it. And you don't see an end in sight in this life. Allah does not promise us that the ease will come in this life. He promises us that no hardship will go unrewarded. Allah does not promise us that our tests will let up in this life. He promises us that the other side of that test, whether it is in this life or in the next, is assured. Allah does not promise us no pain, but he promises us that he's always sort of watching and, and always in control. And it becomes hardest for us to understand that in those moments. There's no doubt about it. But more, most rewardable as well. Um, when we renew that trust in him, when we don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. And so one of the things that I came to realize, you know, in my own journey of sort of understanding the religion and particularly trying to come to terms with, um, you know, hardship and, uh, you know, I, subhanAllah, cancer is something deeply personal. I, I have not been through it. I saw my mother go through it as a child. And so trying to rationalize as well what was happening and things of that sort is that Allah does not speak much to the, you know, to, to the principle of divine decree in the Quran in the sense of why do bad things happen to good people and, and, and things of that sort. May Allah grant your mom the highest ranks of Jannah, inshallah. Um, I mean, thank you so much. Jazakumallah so Allah won't won't speak about it in the symptomatic sense, but uh, it's really belief in Allah in the last day, belief in the hereafter. Because if you're limited to this life, if everything has to come together in this life, it's always going to fall apart. But if you have as firm of a belief in a hereafter, which you have not yet seen, as you do in the existence of this life, which you presently live in, then suddenly it all makes sense because it's the idea of time that bothers us so much. We want to see naturally as human beings, we want to see it all come together in this dunya. We want to see it come together in front of our eyes, in front of the eyes of all of those that are witnessing the hardship, whether they're experiencing it or someone that's beloved to them is experiencing it. But the reality is, is that our existence is far greater than this life. Our, this life is so limiting. It's a limited time. It's limiting in the sense of the fact that no one gets to experience uninterrupted joy in this life. Uh, you know, no matter who you are, you're going to have some sort of hardship, right? You'll be tested in some way. So it's a very limited life and limiting dunya. But we know that the same one that created this realm and brought us into existence here has created the other realm and will bring us into existence there. And so we trust 
in the ease coming to us and that Allah will compensate accordingly and reward accordingly and that the ease will make the hardship worth it. And this is, this is something that's very, you know, it is, it is difficult to come to terms with at times, but, you know, the Prophet gives us the scene on the day of judgment of people that were generally more tested than those that had a very easy life. And Ahlul Bala, those people who were tested, are being rewarded by Allah in such a way that the people who are not tested would wish they were tested. Because our understanding is that the ease makes the hardship worth it. Because the one who brought you into existence here is the one who controls your destiny and your fate, and the one who decides how to reward and how to comfort. And there is nothing like the comfort and the compensation that he will show good enough. I think that's a, such a beautiful way to look at it, um, because I think for me, the comfort that I have found specifically in my faith is probably the fact that it's removed the unknown. Of course, I don't know exactly what my path or journey is beyond this life, but um, I think the idea of just if I didn't have any faith being put in this situation and having basically no answers, just I feel like subhanAllah it's terrifying even with the knowledge of course it is but alhamdulillah the knowledge of knowing that it's not a permanent dark cold existence basically and that's it right life is not assured but the reward is assured um, I think the idea that it's almost a bus stop you know you're waiting for the next phase of your journey or your life it's just kind of in a different way you know, we're told in the Quran and we can learn from others the actions we're supposed to take, the things we are supposed to do, almost like an instruction manual, subhanAllah. And then we'll be able to, you know, you follow almost like the treasure map and then inshallah you will get your end goal. For me, it's brought me a lot of comfort in knowing that that separation from my loved ones, which is the scariest thing for me when I think about um, death is obviously just the unknown but also being alone that comfort that my faith and religion has given me in knowing that it's depending on how you act you know you'll be able to achieve and be promised and guaranteed you know a reunion with your loved ones in a place even better than what you can imagine that has given me comfort because that doesn't sound like a scary place to be you know call upon Allah while you're confident you know, you call upon Allah, the Prophet said, call upon Allah with confidence. Yeah. And indeed, you know, look, just imagine when we go to the airport, when your family drops off, drops you off and they send you to another place and sending you off to college or sending you off to a resort or sending you off to other family members. And think about a time before cell phones and technology existed that connected people, right? You know, our parents... Um, you know, uh, when, when my parents came to the United States, that the only way they could connect with their parents is through letter writing, right? But it's no face-to-face. Mm. And there's a sadness when you take your loved one to the airport and say bye to them. And there's a, a, a moment of crying and, and hardship. But when you know you're going to something that is better, inshallah, and people on the other side, and a less restrictive and less painful existence, inshallah. So long as you you live 
what is left of this life in praise of Allah, and you praise him through that transition, then you've been guaranteed a house of praise with him. And I want you to, to know, you know, inshallah, and this is th- that idea of, of the bus stop, as you said, how I all share that example. It's, it's the unknown and it's that we, we, can't, we can't pick up the phone and call our loved ones anymore. And we don't know where they've gone to. And we don't know where we're going to and things of that sort. But we're all at the bus stop. That's the thing. The bus stop is not the graveyard. The bus stop is actually the dunya itself. We're all already here. We just don't know which bus we're getting on, <laughs> what time we're leaving. But we're already at the bus stop. The bus stop is not the graveyard, right? So once you transition and once we all transition, to have this understanding that on the other side are people that I love that went before me, inshallah ta'ala, the righteous souls that went before me. You know, when I think about um, that transition, I think about seeing my mom again, and I think about seeing the Prophet The most beloved person that I ever had in this dunya was my mom. And, you know, life has not been the same since she left. So I think about meeting her again, and I think about meeting the Prophet who I love him dearly, and I never got to meet him. And it's like, I, I, it's like who do I want to meet first? You know, when I get there, who are you looking forward to seeing, inshallah? So there are people there, and the Prophet giving us that visual that the righteous believing souls come to greet you, and they are more joyous to receive you than your loved ones in this world when you come home. They, they, they've missed you. Like they come to greet you. They come to embrace you. And the angels say, give them some time. They just got here. Let them rest. It's, you know, the unknown is certainly scary. But if a person does as they've been told through that instruction manual, as you, as you mentioned, then we have a confidence that even the best situation in this dunya, you know, when the Prophet some says that, this world is a prison for the believer, uh, and, and, and it's a paradise for the disbeliever, right? It's, it's talking about relative to the hereafter. It's not a prison to the believer because you have to, you, you'll find no joy in this life, and because there will be no happiness, and that you'll never have any moments of laughter. And No, it's not that. It's relative to what, to, what comes in the hereafter. Once you leave this, because prison restricts, it restricts time, it restricts space, it restricts your ability. But there is a, you know, a companion of the Prophet said to the ruler of Persia, that we are here to liberate people from the constriction of this world to the expanse of the hereafter. The hereafter is far more expansive than what this life has to offer us. So we don't put our hopes in this life. We put our hopes in Allah who brought us into this life, but we're all at the bus stop already. And you never know who's going to get, I mean, we're recording this podcast. Uh, we don't know who, who's going to get there first. <laughs> who's going to leave the bus stop, which bus we don't know, you know, subhanAllah, we don't know. It, it might be you getting on a bus. It might be me getting on a bus. It might be a listener getting on a bus because that's the point. You don't know which bus you're getting on. But we are all at the bus stop. And inshallah, if we know the destination and we know what awaits us at the destination and we have confidence in the one that controls the buses, then inshallah ta'ala, we're able to, to, to proceed with, with greater joy. Is there any like um, description of paradise that 
you could give mm. would bring comfort because you know there's a lot of focus in all religions on the idea of heaven and hell but i think right. especially in times of fear the focus needs yeah. to be more on the mercy and the beauty of the religion and the comfort that it's brought me so i haven't seen it but i hope to see it within the, <laughs> you know i haven't seen it i hope we both see it <laughs> um but Suffice it to say that the one who created us and created our likes and dislikes and created our inclinations and repulsions, who created all of that, is the one who created a paradise that is meant to perpetually satisfy us. And so it has what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what has never even come to the minds of a single human being. It cannot be comprehended due to its beauty and due to its expanse. But the way the Prophet ﷺ has described this to us is that when the believing soul goes to their grave, the grave, if, if a person answers those questions correctly, and the three questions are, who is your Lord? Who is your Prophet? What is your religion? So long as a person can say, Allah, Muhammad ﷺ, and my religion is Islam, the religion of all of the Prophets, the religion of submission to one God, the message of Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, peace be upon them all. Then at that point, Allah says from the heavens that my servant has spoken the truth, clothe them from the garments of paradise, and open up their grave, and expand their grave, and give them a window into their paradise, and let the smell of that paradise come into their grave. And that person who is now dressed in the garments of paradise and looking out to the paradise, and it's certainly gardens and the description of paradise in the Quran is a place of, 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 of greenery and where gardens are, you know, um, unmeasured and where, where rivers flow and things that we cannot imagine. But at the same time, the and terminology. No, no pain and sickness. And no pain and sickness. This is the thing about paradise is that there is no pain after paradise. This the thing, you know, Allah Allah has made it so that once you enter it, you don't get out. And once there is joy, there is no sadness. And it only keeps getting better. It never even stagnates. It continues to get more beautiful every day. And you continue to get more beautiful every day. And your reward continues to get more beautiful every day. And so the idea is, it goes, you know, just like you trust Allah in pain, you trust Allah to give you a paradise that will be more than enough for you. Because we can't even begin to imagine, you know, if I was to, to share, you know, and, and we go through hardships in this life and we wish to see those hardships alleviated, and paradise to us, usually in this, in this life, means being concerned free, you know, like, like rest. Yeah. This isn't a place of rest. And, and, and Allah speaks about Jannah and says, You won't hear anything that bothers you anymore. You'll be pleased with your efforts. You'll be pleased with the way that you responded. You'll be pleased with the way that you responded to your hardship. You'll be pleased with the prayer that you did despite the sickness and despite the hardship that you were going through. You'll be pleased that you still had a tongue of praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even as things became darker and more difficult. And so there is no more sickness. There is no more sadness. 
and there's no getting out once you're in. So there's no roller coaster in that sense. And may Allah grant that to you and to, and to all of us. Tell me. I think the other thing is obviously that with a long-term illness, patience is just, it's definitely the biggest challenge. It's not like if you get a flu and even then it's difficult when it's a week long and you don't feel or see the improvements. I think, again, this is a thing that people are scared to say is, you know, and Allah forgive me if it's wrong of me to say this, but how with something that is so prolonged and long-term, the difficulty of maintaining the faith and maintaining the sincerity of your du'as. But it is very tiresome. It's difficult. It's, you know, you do feel like with something that is, you know for sure, is not going to just disappear once you wake up, that worry of your du'as not being as sincere as they were when you first were diagnosed, because as time goes on, you, you know, in some ways you get desensitized to your situation. And a lot of people maybe that aren't in a situation would think, does that show a weakness in faith? Mm-hmm. Um, no, look, you don't have to love your trial. You have to love Allah through your trial. You don't have to enjoy the pain. You have to have certainty that the pain will yield paradise and his reward at the end of it, but you don't have to enjoy it or, or love the trial. It's maintaining perspective through the trial. And so that's why when the Prophet faced his greatest pain, and he is who he is, right? I mean, we, we think about the Messenger, وسلم, it's so humanizing, not in that, you know, you, some people try to humanize the Prophets by assigning sins to them that are inappropriate and not befitting you know, and, and major sins that have been associated to the prophets of old. We don't humanize our prophets by chipping away at their infallibility, but there is a humanness to the pain that he felt, and pain is so universal. But with the Prophet can you imagine burying six of your seven children? I, I mean, the pain of burying one child you know, imagine burying six of seven, born without a father, burying his mother at six, his grandfather at nine, who was his father figure, then his uncle Abu Talib, then his wife Khadija radiallahu anha. He went through the burial process of almost everyone that was beloved to him, right, in terms of his family. And, you know, his last one, Ibrahim, uh, it hurt a lot. Uh, Ibrahim was, was a son that was born after a very long time. And the Prophet was celebrating the birth of his son Ibrahim, and then he died in his, in his hands. And the Prophet cried. And one of the companions looked at the Prophet and said, Well, Anta Ya Rasulullah, you too, O Messenger of Allah. Like, wait, you cry? How, how could you be crying? Like, who? The Prophet has actually at that point been to the night, he's been through the night journey. He's been through it at Salah and Miraj. He's seen the scenes of heaven. He's actually seen it. None of us have, right? He has seen it. He's seen the reward. He's in direct communication with his Lord, the Lord of the heavens and the earth. But there was a natural pain when he, he's holding his son, Ibrahim, dying in his hands. But what did he say? He said, the eyes shed tears and the heart feels sadness. But, and, and we are sad over your departure, O Ibrahim, but, but we don't say except that which is pleasing to Allah. But the tongue remains in a state of praise. I continued to say, alhamdulillah, I continue to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So 
I'm in pain with what I'm dealing with. And no one saw what he saw. He knew exactly. The Prophet had seen, you know, on his journey, children that had passed away in their young age with our father Ibrahim, the Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him. He'd already seen that sight. But that didn't mean that he didn't feel great pain when he saw his son Ibrahim breathe his last breaths. And so that is rahmah, that's mercy that Allah put in the heart. These are human emotions. The fact that you maintain perspective and the fact that you continue to be in a state of praise and in a state of remembrance, that is what is to be sought out. Uh, and that is the, the station that we seek to be in, even as we go through what we go through. Even like my family, because they're caring for me full time, they don't have as much time, I'm sure, as they want to, to sit and just pray continuously. Because I thought this too. If, I, if someone told me I only had this much time to live, you'd just pray and pray and pray. But the reality is that that's not possible. So I was just wondering if there's any advice you have on balancing that and, and maybe if there's other ways as well of spending your time. Right. That would still be classed as ibadah. Yeah. So, so you're, you're in a state of worship as long as you're bearing the pain with patience. That's number one. Number two... You know, I, I, your question about du'as and there's, you know, a saying from Umar al-Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, where he said, I'm, I don't concern myself with the answer to my du'a. I just concern myself with the ability to make it because Allah does not let a person make du'a with it being turned back empty-handed. That's what the Prophet said to us. Similar to that question about the mother's love for the child, when the Prophet said, Allah is too shy for the servant to make dua and he not answer it. When you turn to Allah sincerely and you make dua, the fact that he allowed you to make dua is a sign that he wants to give you something. However, again, that bestowal, that response may be one that is delayed to the hereafter and better than what is given in this life. That doesn't mean you stop making dua for the goodness of this life. That means that when the goodness does not manifest itself in obvious ways in this life, you trust that it has manifested itself in other ways in this life and in the next life and or in the next life. And so do not fear that part of it. Um, and when it comes to ibad, look, sometimes the sickness especially can be very overwhelming. So just like Allah gave concessions to combine prayers in these situations and things of that sort. Likewise, uh, it, it'll be hard sometimes to even think straight and to, to do dhikr properly. But um I would say that when a person is, is, is sick and when they're going through pain, try to keep repeating dhikr. SubhanAllah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, akbar. Even if, even if sometimes the, uh, the, the heart and the mind cannot be fully present, let the tongue keep moving. Let the tongue keep moving in dhikr, inshallah, as much as you can. Uh, orient yourself to the count, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah. So keep saying la ilaha illallah, especially. And that's the best form of dhikr. Say other forms of dhikr as well. And again, sometimes it's just sometimes it will just be the tongue. Sometimes it'll be in so much pain that your mind and your heart just can't be there. Keep doing it, inshallah. So I, th- I mentioned earlier, you know, we have a lot of hadiths and ayahs that we can use to help. And another one that I really struggled with was that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never bear a soul more than it can bear. 
Mm-hmm. And I just was in that state where I could not at that time comprehend how like I could bear it any more pain or hardship but I really really struggled with that it if anything sure. it brought it brought me fear sure sure because yeah. I was like all you know these things are consecutive things that happened and maybe I had gotten to a point where I'd made a little bit of an improvement and you cling to that and then there'd be another setback and I I'd be even lower than a the first one that I'd overcome because naturally your mind, your body gets tired. I was in that place where there was no one and nothing that could convince me that I could bear it. At what point is this too much? And how do you navigate that? Because if you have people that struggle with difficulties and maybe they take their own life as a young person in that situation, I just couldn't rationalize to do. And another one that links perfectly, alhamdulillah, with this is also everyone kept saying about, subhanAllah, um, you know, Allah's mercy. And subhanAllah, for 23 years, I've experienced, you know, a wonderful, wonderful life, subhanAllah. And even now, as difficult as it is, there are times of, you know, absolute joy. But, um, you know, I was told repeatedly about about how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you in comparison to your uh, mom well so I'll start with the first one and then I'll um, I'll phase into the second one so the first one the primary intended meaning of Allah does not burden a soul beyond the scope is uh, first and foremost in how he will account us and so what that means is uh, even the companions were very scared from that if you conceal what is within you or you uh, express it, Allah will hold you accountable to it. And so the Prophet I'm saying that Allah does not hold a, uh, a, a person accountable for um, what a person thinks of as long as they don't say it or act upon it, right? So our internal thoughts sometimes. So it's the hisab with Allah that, that Allah will not burden us and that Allah will not charge us on the day of judgment for things that were beyond our control. So, so that's the first meaning, right? The Prophet ﷺ saying Allah has forgiven a person for what they don't say or do, even if they may think it or something might cross their minds, uh, or a person becomes forgetful. Um, uh, the person who does something mistakenly or the person who does something out of forgetfulness or the person that does something out of, under compulsion uh, that Allah would forgive them, right? So that's the first sort of meaning. And the second meaning also would be in regards to the rulings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sharia itself, the practice of the deen itself, that you're in sickness and we've spoken about, you know, some of the concessions and sickness and things of that sort, right? Um, and over the past few weeks. And so concessions when a person is ill, concessions uh, that the religion is not overbearing and does not pose an undue hardship, right? That the that Islam is practical. And so when a person becomes sick or when a person is trapped, that the sharia itself, the fiqh itself is accommodating and that it's not it's not overly burdensome. However, that larger, broader meaning is certainly one that does hold true. And the example that I would give is that look, if you know a person is lifting weights, and there's a time when you're when you're lifting weights as you're pushing yourself to the next level, right? That you don't feel like you're going to be able to make it, 
but then something happens to where you do actually make it. And so sometimes our, we are ignorant of our own potential and our own scope because the scope expands and Allah has created everything with this expanse, right? So the universe is constantly expanding. Our hearts can expand sometimes to where we can, you know, you talk about Allah does not burden us beyond our scope. There are people that we forgive sometimes that we feel like we would never forgive, right? But the heart expands. And so sometimes even physically, our our capacity expands, spiritually, our capacity expands. So uh, that is is still true. However, it, it doesn't always feel that way. It could feel like you are You've reached your your capacity, but you haven't actually reached your capacity, and so that's that's a, that's a broader meaning. Now, the second part of that question, which is, you know, the mother, uh, Allah loving us or being more merciful to a servant than the mother is to her child. Um, Sheikh Muhammad Shinawi um, he wrote a paper for Yaqeen Institute actually on that hadith, and he broke it down beautifully about Allah Allah being more merciful um, to a uh, uh, to his to his servant than a mother to a child. I'll, I'll actually, while you're asking the next question, I'll get the name of the article. But I want to answer it specifically in in, in the <clears throat> capacity of pain and hardship. When we talk about the mercy of the mother and the love of the mother, one of the most difficult things for a mother to do with her child is to take something from her child because the child is going to harm itself or, you know, specifically like I, I look back and I think about, you know, when, when my wife weaned our three children and like, you look at the, the baby's face and that baby is like, why do you hate me? You know, why are you doing this to me? You know, Cause the baby cannot possibly understand why it's being weaned. Right. Or why, why you're taking something away or, so it's not just the mercy, the mercy of the mother, the love of the mother is not just contained in the mother hold the, the way the mother holds the child and the way the mother cares for the child and loves the child. But it's also in the mother, you know, sometimes feeling, you know, pain because they have to do things that the child doesn't understand, especially as a baby. Yeah. Now, now here's here's what I will give you in terms of an example that I hope inshallah will resonate. I hope I can properly verbalize it. The discrepancy between the mother's understanding and the infant's understanding at one year old is nothing like the discrepancy of the servant to the creator of the heavens and the earth. Like what Allah knows and what we know, the gap is far greater than the gap between that mother and her child. And so I take comfort in Allah, who's not restricted by time, knows what is to come and what has become, and what would have been done. Allah who sees what I don't see, Allah who knows what I don't know, Allah who's not restricted to my senses and my faculties. And on top of that, he is a Rahman Rahim. On top of that, all the mercy, the mercy and the love that your parents have for you and that you have for your parents, that we as, as, as believers and as human beings have for one another, that animals have for each other, all of that being contained in one mercy of Allah and 99 mercies left for the day of judgment. I can't even imagine all that mercy is just one of his mercies, subhanAllah. So uh, it's, it's, it's trusting that the smartest person in the world, the smartest person in the world, the discrepancy between the smartest person in the world's knowledge and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater 
than the discrepancy between the mother and the child at one year old or six months old or whatever it may be. So yes, a lot, I can't make a judgment on Allah's mercy because I can't understand what Allah knows. And so I resign myself to that, not to say that I, and this is another thing, and, and it's very important, Amani, for us to, to take this. A, a lot of times I've, people try to, to do the other side of this, which is they try to rationalize the pain and say, well, maybe because this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, and see this and this and that. And sometimes what that, when, when, you, when you speak in a definitive sense, right, because this is happening, this is happening, and this will happen, and perhaps this will happen, you're trying to, to, to prematurely and without, without full diagnosis of the situation and, and what's happening, yeah. you know, determine the outcome and speak about the outcome as if you know. And the point is, is that no, actually, I don't know. And alhamdulillah, I trust Allah. I trust Allah. I trust that he knows. And I trust that he will do right by me and do right by us. I think it's, subhanAllah, the analogy to a mother's love is, especially the way you've explained it um has been so helpful because i just felt like it just clicked into place for me like i never actually thought of it that way so jazakallah for sharing it but but inshallah when we're all reunited in paradise and we look back it would be like all the puzzle pieces fit together and it will all be worth it Annie, like can i just get the be- paper so i just wanted to give the paper because oh, i remember okay. the the infinitely merciful Sheikh Muhammad al Shinawi on Yaqeen as to the infinitely merciful. So he talks about that hadith. I'm sorry, I just thought of that. So, with going through a trial, um, obviously it's natural to express emotions of fear, anger, and frustration, maybe, and obviously upset. I just want to maybe be reinforced from an Islamic perspective that genuinely these emotions then cause you to question. Um, bits of faith or things that you not disbelief but just trying to understand trying to process certain things Um, I just want to ask you whether that's a weakness in faith because from my understanding is that we've we've been created as humans so expressing emotions to changes in circumstances like that that's a natural human emotion but then there's also the other side where I found a lot of comfort in just kind of handing over what I don't understand and just getting to a point where I realize that I have no control so I have to accept the situation that I'm in and you know try and make the most of the time that I've been alhamdulillah blessed with okay so talking about the emotions and the questions that come about and is it sinful yeah. The, the the answer to that is is really that look it's the emotions are normal the internal pain and questioning that might come is normal to deny the those questions from manifesting themselves in speech and in attitude is not to deny the emotions that led to those questions it's to remind yourself that Allah has the answers and that I won't have the answers. And so that's really what it is. So to, 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 to sort of reckon with it, grow with it, um, anticipate the reward and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anticipate it as you go through what you're going through, inshallah. I think it's, it is just 
life itself in general everyone's life is just beyond our comprehension even people that are going through what maybe others would consider minor difficulties they might not be minor to someone else and um, I think when you find yourself in the situation that I'm not the only one that was questioning these things but I felt like I was quite isolated in because you don't hear or experience anyone else's thoughts that's the truth so you feel like you're by yourself you know so I just thought it was important to maybe put out there that questioning in a situation like this if that doesn't bring up questioning then what kind of situation is because I feel like maybe maybe if I wasn't put in this situation you know all this new knowledge I'm gaining I wouldn't be sat there seeking it out if we are being honest sometimes you it takes a trial like this to bring yourself to a place where you are seeking knowledge and I think for me maybe that is one blessing because of my age and because of the situation I was in which was very blessed alhamdulillah I never would have explored these avenues I never would have been able to be involved in these charity campaigns and maybe like you were saying grow and understand these ayahs and verses as my journey progresses there were times where I didn't see a way out and subhanallah I'm still I'm here talking to you today and what continues to grant you that perspective and grant you that foresight and grant that vision and grant you comfort through that clarity in this life and the next and the only other thing is I'm 100% 100% not sinless. I can say that without a doubt. I don't think there is anyone that is. Being told that I'm lucky um, because all my sins are being forgiven. The hadith um, of, you know, a believer is rewarded and their sins are forgiven even for a, like a prick on the prick finger. Anxiety. That brought a lot of comfort. But then in the scale of, of a, such a huge trial, repeatedly being told like, you know, you're blessed, all your sins are forgiven, like, you know, you're loved more than everyone else. Obviously, in that moment, you're struggling so much, you're so overwhelmed. It's just, you know, it's hard to, that was another hard thing to reconcile. Yeah, and, and you know, look, it's, there's no doubt that the believer will be tested, as the Prophet said, until they meet Allah without sin. And so I pray that, I pray that, you, you do meet Allah sinless. I, I genuinely and sincerely hope that you meet him completely sinless. And I hope the same for all of us, inshallah. Inshallah. Throughout this, alhamdulillah, I've really tried to focus, you know, on the positives because it, it is so, so easy, like easily done to just get consumed in complete darkness, especially when you are feeling very isolated. You are kind of, you feel like you're on the outside, you know, you know, like a goldfish bowl, kind of watching everyone else, and you're just stuck in the same place, going round and round. You know, I focus on the blessings. I tried to see the fact that, you know, we even have healthcare here, but then I start to feel guilty at times where I do feel myself feeling frustrated or impatient because I do think about the people that don't even have a hospital to go to. I feel like I don't have the right to complain because I know that there's others who aren't here today with their loved ones, for example. So I just didn't know how to, but I just wondered whether there's any way to balance, obviously processing the fact that you are in an unfortunate situation, but don't letting, like not letting it completely consume you. Look, I mean, it's, 
as as you said a few times, uh, in in a way, it's always easier said than done. Um, to some extent, looking to those, and this is prophetic. The Prophet Sallallahu mentioned to look to those who have less than you, and it'll it'll give you perspective. So, to some extent, looking to those that are suffering more, looking to those that have less than you, that don't have the care, that don't have the facility, that don't have the family, could be a means of soothing and comforting and, and, and keeping perspective. But at the same time, um, to stay focused on Allah means that anytime you're looking at the sight of, at, at other people and their situations, it is not to compare to your situation. It's not to say that, you know, not, not to minimize um, the pain, but to remind yourself of the reality of this life and the assurance of Allah's reward. That's really what it is. And so not to get caught up in those situations, but to help to help yourself contextualize your own journey by looking at theirs. And everyone, of course, you've mentioned that, you know, uh, you can't, I believe you said you can't, you can't have someone else's thoughts and experiences, right? It's, it's, you know, you're speaking to someone else. So, even what you're experiencing of other people's journeys and their hardships, you're not experiencing the full the fullness of it. Yeah, uh, you might see someone, Subhanallah, and this is I can tell you as you know as an imam who deals with the community that there are people that come to the masjid and you think they must be the happiest people in the world. But once you hear their story, they're going through horrible things that that you would never know, yeah. right? So there are things that are hidden from of human experiences from other human eyes. And um, sometimes they're hidden all the way until death. Because that's obviously the worry is when you're in a situation like this, your prayers, you want them to be as sincere as possible. You don't want your mind to be wandering. And the difficulty is, is that you're praying for something that's so important. It, not just me. I know it's affected my loved ones too, because they're busy with caring with me. So not only are they don't have the time to or do as extra rather as they want, they, their minds just like the rest of us are drifting with everything that's going on. Um, right. So how do you focus your mind because of all the things that are going on, your mind isn't focused. Does that mean your prayers? They're not, not that they're not going to be heard, oh, but, no, but no, that if, you know, well, because Allah, understands. Allah knows, Allah knows, Allah knows, Allah knows when you're trying. Yeah. Allah knows when you're trying. So you focus on trying, you focus on effort. Allah knows. So, Allah does not expect perfection. He expects your best effort. So, like so when you're making your best effort, uh, Allah looks at you trying to pray to him despite being in such great pain. A merciful Lord is looking to you in the night with, with great pleasure. With the concessions and how much help they've brought me. Um, SubhanAllah. One thing, I actually felt guilty using them. I felt like, you know, um, for praying, I sit down. And it's not until you're in that situation. Obviously, when you go from being healthy to not being able to do things, it's a big change. Allah loves that you take his concessions. The same way that he loves that you undertake the difficult tasks, the Prophet said, Allah loves that you take his concessions. They're gifts from him. So take them and do not feel guilty. Yeah, the other thing I just wanted to ask was, Obviously, jealousy is a horrible emotion, but I feel like 
naturally sitting I'm just gonna be honest naturally sitting here as a young person and watching everyone else my age just being able to do things like drive to the shops it's not that I you know it's not that I sit here and I'm burning up inside about it because that is my reality and I've come to accept it but it doesn't mean that there's not days where it's difficult to watch the people that you love do all the things that you want to do that you can't do like I'm not envious of them but it's managing that that feeling but I know that there are going to be times where maybe something will go ahead like a huge wedding or something and and I might not be well enough to attend and it's like a close friend and then you feel like you're missing out completely not just on a future yourself but just in general I just I don't want to lose that empathy that I have and that joy that I naturally have about the people around me Number one advice is what the Prophet Sallallahu taught us, which is when you see something that someone else has been given, pray to Allah for him to maintain that blessing upon them. That will remove any feeling from your heart, inshallah ta'ala, about wanting, what, or, or, or actually any ill will, you know, not that you, you're being very vulnerable by sharing that, by the way, may Allah reward you, I know why you're doing that. But it could remove anything inside of us that, you know, could could translate or even 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 uh, resemble right ill will towards that person and their blessing. So say Allahumma barik, um, may Allah bless them, may Allah keep it for them, make dua for Allah to keep that blessing upon them. And when you make that dua for them, then an angel will make dua for you, and that will be an even better dua, inshallah. But the internal feeling that drives that is, again, to remember the reality of this life. This life is not just restricting in that it's temporary. It's restricting in that um, there are certain things that other people will be able to do and, and have that will be beyond us. And so sometimes that's, you know, a person in a bad marriage that, or, or a person that's divorced um, after an abusive marriage and looking at someone who's in a happy marriage, a person who has a lot of, uh, has not much wealth, looking at someone with a lot of wealth, a person with suffering in their health, looking at someone fully healthy and being able to do what they do with their, with their health. So it's important to, to pray for those people. Um, and you'll see it manifest in your life in, in ways, inshallah ta'ala, that are, that are very beautiful, even if in, um, maintaining the purity of your lens uh, to the world around you. And how important is it to try and leave behind some kind of, I guess, legacy, Uh especially when, you know, in the eyes of society, your life has kind of been cut short. This life, you know, Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that there are children of the hereafter and children of this world. Be from the children of the hereafter, not from the children of this world. And those that essentially plant the seeds and do deeds in this life that continue to benefit them in the hereafter. The Prophet talked about a continuous charity. And that continuous charity sometimes is not in wealth, but it's in the example that you leave behind that continues to inspire goodness after you. It's in the knowledge that you leave behind. It's in the people that you leave behind that continue to pray for you. And in praying for you, that they, they are also praying and bettering their own situation. It's in every person that will listen to your podcast, inshallah ta'ala, and find that renewed sense of purpose and perseverance through it, or read one of your tweets, or hear about you, 
And all of that, inshallah, ta'ala, is part of your continuous charity. The, the beautiful example of patience. When we read about Ya'qub, Jacob, peace be upon him, the father of Yusuf, sabrun jameel, an example of beautiful patience. And I pray, Amani, that you are an example of beautiful patience for us, inshallah. inshallah. Having difficult days, dips in faith, days where you genuinely do feel anger, if you feel frustration, how do you use faith to manage those? So an equation in spirituality is that you look to what's greater to put in perspective what's less. So for example, when a person's sincerity is compromised because they are acting for the eyes of people, they remember the sight of God. And so the sight of God motivates them greater than the sight of people. When a person is in, in that in that regard, then seeing the you know the way that that others have something of this life, or the way that the dunya is opening itself, the doors of the dunya are opening themselves to other than yourself. Then instead, they focus their sight on the doors of the hereafter and on paradise and what what awaits them and what remains. And so when you think about the greater, then it puts the lesser in perspective. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, uh, The hereafter is better and longer lasting. So, you know, it, it's, it's to, to, to maintain the sight of that greater so that the lesser, which is this dunya, which means lesser, is put in perspective and all of what it opens its doors to and who it opens its doors, its doors for. So just back to other ways, maybe that still are very rewardable ways to spend your time, maybe just generally spending time with loved ones and other still forms of, oh, yes. forms of using your time. Yeah. So, so the doors of good are many. The, the doors of blessing and benefit are many. So every moment that you spend with your loved ones, they're going to latch on to that, inshallah. And it's really a charity to them too um, as well. These, these, those special moments that you spend with your loved ones, the moments of dhikr, as, as I said, the moments of reading Quran, the moments of listening to something beneficial. Sometimes in giving to the world around us, we find more perspective in what's happening to us. So uh, I, I'd, I'd encourage you to keep on you know, journaling, keep on as much as you can, uh, you know, doing these podcasts, these conversations, inshallah, reminding other people. And as we remind other people, we remind ourselves. Uh, when a person can be charitable um, with, with what they have, inshallah, um, all of that, inshallah, is a form of reward. I always remember distinctively being told that when a child passes away, they're able to you know, wait for their parents and be a means of bringing them to paradise with them. Um, but from my limited knowledge, it was always premature children or um, children that died before they reached adulthood. Obviously for me, I'm in adulthood and I just was wondering how, if I pass away before my parents, which obviously would be classed as like an untimely death, um, wow whether there's any additional reward for my parents, right. for my family, but also for me. The Prophet that Allah has said that no, that my believing servant does not have a reward uh, 
إذا قبضت صفيه من أهل الدنيا If I take their loved one from this life and then they احتسبه then they seek the reward of that except for Jannah, except for paradise. So my servant is not given any reward less than paradise when they seek the reward for their loved one that passes away. And this is usually referring to the parent with their child, despite where the child is or how old the child is. The intercession piece of this is that, you know, inshallah, uh, anyone that passes away due to something that is untimely or unusual, if you look at the categories of shahada, the categories of martyrdom, then inshallah ta'ala that they would fall into the category of being a shaheed, of being a martyr. And so they should ask Allah for shahada, not take it for granted. But the shaheed also specifically intercedes for their loved ones uh, after they pass away. And so whether it is through the path of shahada that a person intercedes or through the parents seeking the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the tragedy and the trial of, of, of losing their child, wherever the child is, their loved one, the promise is paradise regardless, inshallah. I just wanted to ask, as I said recently, I spent a lot of time in hospital and the operations that I had, and they weren't successful. And pretty much after that, they kind of, the doctors had all decided that there wasn't treatment options for me. And it had just been such a grueling year and a half. That Mm. part of me was almost felt relief that I wouldn't potentially have to go through any grueling treatment and its side effects because they'd made that decision for me. But then... On the other side, I didn't know whether it was sinful to essentially maybe in my head give up. No, um, no. Obviously, there are options there, but the success is very poor and the side effects are very severe. So I was just wondering when they were, you know, they ask you to kind of make that decision, whether um, that, that it would be completely wrong of me kind of a sin for me to just say I can't uh-huh. do it and just let the natural course of the illness and then just kind of make the most that I can. You're not burdened with having to accept um, every single option or to explore every single option and avenue of, of potential treatment, um, just as you wouldn't be sinful uh, for doing so, um, for exploring all avenues. Um, ultimately, you know, the only thing that you can't do is to inflict harm on yourself or to escalate or to advance sickness or, or death. Um, and then, of course, as well, you know, in the situation that there is a sure treatment, um, you know, rejecting a sure treatment is where some of the scholars would differ. Okay. But when there is a questionable um, result, a person can decide that they they do not want further treatment or, or to explore that that level of treatment. And inshallah, they would not be sinful in that regard. Obviously, in a long-term illness, you don't have those periods of respite for weeks or months where you kind of recharge. And when it comes to du'as and praying and maximizing your time for worship, it, it becomes very difficult, obviously, if you're the carer or the person that's unwell, or even just the family in general, you get like you feel worn down um is there ways of maximizing your du'as so if you do have limited times 
Yeah, the best du'as are the ones that are sincere and from the heart, your own language. And of course, the du'as of the Prophet Um, There is a, a du'a booklet that inshallah ta'ala I'll provide and perhaps you can provide to your um, your audience as well, inshallah. Um, that was that was done um, by um, Sheikh Tahir Wyatt and our team um, in du'as for hardship. And so making those du'as is good, inshallah ta'ala, and the sunnah du'as. And at the same time, the very standard forms of dhikr, la ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, sending salawat on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, istighfar, astaghfirullah. So you can sort of use the praise of Allah and the prayers upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to then launch into du'as that are very personal and from your heart. And you can make the comprehensive du'as. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَا um, so that's one of the most comprehensive du'as, right? To give us the best of this life and the next and to protect us from the punishment of the fire. So um, th- that's what I would recommend, shall you? Is there a way to almost like give yourself a little internal booster or charge just to not lose that faith and that hope? Because then that's a very, you know, slippery slope. There are, there are different times and different places for sure. And there is room within any situation that you're in uh, to turn it into a moment of dua. But I would say that the goals that you set for yourself, especially as you're prioritizing rest and thickness and things are very um, unstable and that there are really, really good days and really, really bad days. Um, don't make the goals so quantity driven, like how many times you want to say or repeat something that you'll be disappointed if you can't make them. Yeah. Um, the, the priority is to maintain your fara'ad, to maintain your obligatory deeds. And that and, and when you find yourself in, in the proper state to be able to do dhikr and to be able to make du'a, then, then take full advantage of those moments, inshallah. Is, is there any Islamic advice that you would give specifically to young people dealing with trials? And then just advice in general, um, for people offering like support and sense being more sensitive, I think maybe as a community in the way they give their advice and a bit humanize it a bit more rather than just generic, say the same thing for all the same situation. The first thing for those that are young and that, that face a trial, you know, subhanAllah, the nature of this life is that the Prophet said that every person passes away with unfulfilled hopes. Every single person. Yeah. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that, uh, you know, he, he drew this box and he said, this is your life. And then he drew this line that goes through it. And he said, uh, these are your hopes. And he had all these little lines that grabbed the horizontal line. He said, these are the tests. And, he, and when he showed that the hopes extend outside the box, what he said was that every person's hopes of this world extend beyond what they actually have in this world. And so whether a person, you know, has those trials uh, afflict them in their 20s or in their teens or in their 60s, they're always going to feel like, you know, it's it, it's 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 not the right time, right? And and that things are very difficult, but to see first and foremost that these trials, especially for those that are young, inshallah ta'ala, that are able to, um, you know, see beyond. The, the one thing is the promise of joy in the hereafter. The other thing is the 
that, that if you make it through in this life, that it would have been great building of character. And so it's either great building of character in this life yeah. or great reward in the next life. But it's never the wrong timing. And I think when it comes to giving advice to people, we have to give advice to people in a way that we're listening to their pain more. Yeah. A lot of times we're very quick to prescribe and very hasty when it comes to listening and hearing and feeling. People will not remember what you said. They'll remember how you made them feel. And so that's the most important part of it, inshallah. Jazakallah so much for the support you've given me and my family. Just being able to ask you these questions is really helped. And inshallah, being able to share them with other people, it will help and they won't feel so isolated. So, you know, may Allah reward you for your kindness and, and the help that your videos and stuff have given me during this difficult time. May Allah reward you for that. May Allah bless you and increase you and continue to grant you great foresight and perspective and comfort you with a reward and be pleased with you and make it easy for your family as you bear this trial. And I pray that we meet, inshallah ta'ala, either in this life or in the next, inshallah ta'ala, but in, in happier times and more joyful times. But it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. May Allah be pleased with us and our actions and, and take care of yourself, inshallah. Everyone has their fight, so let's ready our armies and let the battle commence, because we're not going down without a fight. Like, comment, share and subscribe. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that.